Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Okay, and thank you very much, Rachel, as always. Uh, great to spend the time with you all here as you gather for this uh, time called In All Things, podcast of the EPC. Uh, we drop an episode every Friday, as you perhaps know, and uh, we have information about the EPC for the EPC, but also we hope things that are uh, a blessing to the larger church. And um, so far as we've gone along, um, we've had uh, staff people from the Office of the General Assembly where we got the opportunity to introduce you to someone who's been critical to the work of the EPC, and that's the case today. You're going to be excited to meet Pat Quelio, who's our chief financial officer, and you'll hear more about what a CFO does. And uh, we'll get down into some practical stuff, too, in terms of how that applies at the local church and how we can be of service to you. But we've also done uh, EPC leaders, pastors, teachers, authors. So we hope this has been a, an edifying time for you and well worth. Uh, we try to keep these episodes to a roughly 30 minutes, and um, we hope that that form of podcasting fits into your schedule, whether it's driving to work or whether it's getting on the Peloton or whatever it is that you do, taking your dog for a walk. We hope that this fits into your schedule and that it's a blessing to you. And, and if it is, uh, would you please share it on your social and, and tell others about it. I've gotten good feedback from people who feel like uh, these are informative and helpful and insightful. And uh, if you feel the same, please share the word and uh, spread the news. We appreciate that very much. Uh, so again, today we are joined in the studio by a good friend and a colleague and coworker. Our offices are kind of across the space from one another, but we work together all the time on a lot of collaborative things. He is uh, someone that I inherited when I came here and could not have been more grateful and delightful. Um, he has uh, got the sweetest spirit you could ever ask for. His area of technical competences and finance and does that exceptionally well, serving not only the Office of the General Assembly, but also in a support role to our benefits department, as well as our missionaries in terms of global outreach. So all of the financial aspects of how the EPC as a big picture works, uh, this guy's got his, his fingers on all of that and is making all of that work in a way. And typically when things like that work, people don't pay attention. They don't notice. And I think Pat likes it that way. He'd rather be uh, in the office without uh, any drama or any big things coming his way. But the fact that he is so good is what makes everything work so well. And uh, one of the things I love about this guy is that um, when I come to him with a problem, he is always solution oriented. He's always thinking about how can I solve the problem? So he's not throwing up obstacles. He's trying to help us overcome obstacles. And that's the kind of colleague you want to go to battle with. And he's that guy. So we welcome to another episode of In All Things. Welcome, Pat Coelho. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hopefully I won't be too boring. <laughs> well, finance sort of sounds like watching the paint dry, right? I mean, th <laughs> that's right. There are some people who are like, oh, finally, the finance guy. But you know, let's face it, that's probably a small number of people, right? That's absolutely true. I've done workshops before where I just hope the uh, pastor's eyes don't glaze over when I'm talking. <laughs> and yet, interestingly enough, Pat, Jesus does talk more about money 
than any other subject in the New Testament. I know when I say that, sometimes people kind of like look at me dismissive, like that can't possibly be. I don't know that the big idea is about money per se. He's trying to point us to the kingdom, but he uses money as an illustration or as a means of demonstrating a point for a lot of particular things. Why do you think it is that we're kind of skittish about money or we don't like pay attention to it or we don't want to deal with it, and yet the Bible's replete with it? Well, that's very true. The Bible says that uh, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. It's really important. It's a reflection of where our hearts are. Yeah. So that, that statement itself really has two halves to it, right? Where our treasure is, that's the finance piece. And there our hearts is also. And it seems that Jesus is principally concerned about our hearts. And he's concerned that there are other things competing for our heart's affections other than the Lord himself. And sometimes if our treasure is in earthly things, then they become our idols. And if our treasure is in the Lord himself, then, then we have eternal riches in heaven. Amen. You articulated that much better than I did. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll stop, I'll stop preaching and we'll get back, <laughs> we'll get back to, to finances. But before we do, let's personalize this, contextualize a little bit. Uh, let's help people to get to know you a little bit because when they call the Office of the General Assembly and they have any finance questions, I'd like them to know who they're talking to at the other end of the phone. Tell us a little bit about your story, how, where and how you grew up, why it is that common sense hasn't prevailed and you still root for the Detroit Tigers. Um, <laughs> talk about your, um, your wife and your kids and just what brought you to the EPC. Just give us a, a brief uh, overview of Pat Quayle. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'll start with the fact that I'm a first-generation American. Uh, my parents moved here from Brazil. Okay. That's where the funny last name comes from. And you're fluent in Portuguese, correct? Conversational, yeah. Conversational. Well, that's way ahead of me, so that's good. <laughs> uh, my parents came here in 1959. I was born in 63. Uh, in the Detroit area. They moved to the Detroit area. That's why I come that from Michigan. That explains the Tigers thing. Well, my mom uh, was in Detroit uh, during the 68 World Series, and she became a baseball fanatic, uh, and I, I got the, uh, the baseball uh, bug, I guess, okay. from her. Was she an Al Kaline guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was big. All right. But it never translated to the Lions, though, just, just the Tigers? She was only a baseball fan. Now, I'm a Detroit everything fan. I suffer with the Lions. <laughs> okay, so. good for you. Blessed are you who suffer. <laughs> uh, as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, I can identify with that. So um, tell us about uh, your family. Um, married 34 years uh, this August to Leslie. Uh, we have six kids, four by birth, two adopted. The adult kids are 26 to 30. Uh, our oldest is in New York now. Uh, he's working with Deloitte. So he got that accounting bug from me. Okay. The youngest of the adult kids is in chiropractic school. Uh, we have two still, two of the adult kids still, still living with us. And uh, the twins are 13. So being homeschooled. Don't you have a son who's an, a model? Uh, he is going into acting. He that's is right. going into acting. As a matter of fact, this is, I, I can't really say what, but he just got a role in a Hallmark movie. Nice. Probably be a Christmas special, I'm sure. Probably so. Yeah, okay. So um, came to um, Central... Florida, when and why and how? Uh, so I was hired in 2016, knowing that the office would be moving to Orlando and uh, came along with the office in September of 16. Okay, so you were really on the ground floor of the new setup. Uh, yes. When we came here, okay. What was your experience like getting to know the EPC and now that you've been with us for is it about six years? Six years. Um, very grateful. I, I gathered from the interviews and, and learning what I could online that the EPC was a conservative denomination. 
And uh, there is so much more uh, that I have learned about being relational. Um, the heart of the EPC is very much uh, in line with uh, my desires, my heart. Very grateful to be a part of the EPC. It's awesome. Well, let's switch gears to what a CFO does, right? So if the average person is listening to our podcast and says, okay, I get it, chief financial officer, you're over all the finances, but break it down for us in terms of some of the areas of responsibility that you have, the things that occupy your daily tasks and the things that help keep this organization running financially. The quick response is that I'm responsible for the finances. Um, I'm responsible to know where, where every dollar is going uh, and how it's being accounted for. I'm responsible for the reporting, uh, both internally and externally, uh, responsible for the audits. I know people look forward to audits. All right, we're going to come back on that in just a second. So we're going to come back to audits. <laughs> okay. I'm also responsible for our insurance program, uh, making sure that we, we are proper, properly covered uh, with our insurance coverage. There are, are things that I've been involved with uh, related HR, uh, pastors, taxes, that kind of thing. Okay. So let's go back to that, uh, the audit thing, because I know it occupies a lot of your time. I think while it's not maybe something that, you know, a lot of people would get jazzed about, the idea that we are part of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, the fact that we do an audit every year. Yes. And this is not a review. This is not a look at the books. This is a, a high-grade, professional, top-tier firm. That, that really causes us to get down into the weeds and really look at that. How should, how should the average EPC person, knowing what you know about the degree to which we are audited every year, should, how should that affect their confidence in terms of the issues of stewardship? When someone invests in kingdom resources in the EPC, what, what would you tell them? Our member churches, our pastors, our donors uh, should feel really good about where their money is going when they give to the EPC. The audits are very thorough. Our, our finances are well in line, um, very well accounted for. I, I've been a part of several organizations in my career. I've been in ministry for 27 years, and uh, the, I have never been a part of an organization with such integrity. I'm going to just let a little pause there and let that sink in. And I hope people hear that because, you know, we're in an age of skepticism and there's been a lot of impropriety, um, even in the part of the church in, in a lot of areas, including finances. So for people to have confidence that they're being good stewards of the resources the Lord has entrusted to them when they invest in the kingdom work of the EPC and to hear it from the guy who has to deal with the auditors uh, straight up is, uh, I hope that's a word of encouragement to folks. Yeah, the uh, CPA firm that we work with is dedicated to working with nonprofits. They are very good at what they do. Uh, they've worked very well with us. And um, the, the last two audits, we've shown no dis significant deficiencies or material weaknesses. Um, and uh, they've been very encouraging in their, their reports. So um, all of that is, you know, budgets and audits and, you know, financial accounting and good stewardship. Um, again, that for some people is maybe the paint drying, you know, but, but it's all part of the necessary operations of a healthy organization that you right. have to pay attention to and that God cares about deeply. But there's another part of your job, and this is one of the things I love about you, Pat, is that you have a heart for the church. Uh, you came out of serving the local church, and there's a number of ways in which, in your role as our chief financial officer, you're not just inwardly focused in terms of the office of the General Assembly, but you're outwardly focused on serving the EPC in terms of our presbyteries and our congregations. Talk to us about some of the ways in which 
God has uh, enabled you to serve the greater EPC outside of our national office? So my desire is to be a resource to, to our member churches in any way I can. And uh, one of those ways that I can think of is when the pandemic, pandemic started and churches had to shut down, uh, they needed a source for revenue. And we uh, created the program for online giving. Especially a lot of our smaller churches that yeah, didn't have absolutely. those kind of infrastructure. That's right. Uh, so we, we set up a program for online giving where the churches could have their members donate to their churches through us. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to do. Is there one of those that stands out in your mind, a particular church or story that kind of, when you think about going back and helping churches set that all up, that one kind of like is the one that always comes to the, the forefront of your mind? Yeah, there were we sponsored about 40 churches, I think, but Bergen was one of the first ones. Okay, that's in upstate and, New York, just outside of suburban Rochester, if people don't know. Yeah, and uh, so we, I think we've been able to be a big help for them. Uh, there were a lot of donations coming through, uh, and still some today that come through for them. Okay. And, you know, I, I know as a church uh, prior to the pandemic, I think the church that I was serving, we were probably at about 24, 25% online giving. And I had friends who were telling me that you needed to be over 50% to stabilize uh, revenue streams. And that, that, you know, this the idea that if people didn't come to church, that you wouldn't get the offering, you know, that kind of thing. Those days were fading away and, you know, church attendance was slipping to, you know, 1.3 times per month and all this kind of stuff. And um, a lot of the younger pastors I was talking to, and they were way ahead on this because, you know, they were giving off their phone. You know, they were Venmoing and, and had all kind of apps for this stuff. Uh, they were they were well above a 50% figure. I know one church, in fact, that was, that was close to 100% online giving. Wow. I remember going to my church and telling them, you know, we need to be thinking about doing this. And boy, they were so hesitant to do this. And um, now I think post-pandemic that that same church is is over 50% in terms of their online giving. And during the pandemic, the churches that had that consistent source of revenue, even when they weren't meeting, it was the difference between staying open and closing. That's right. So, um, well, we thank you for your service to the local church and being able to do that. Any other ways in which you help serve the larger church? Uh, there are a lot of times I take various phone calls, sometimes about uh, how to handle the pastor's housing allowance, um, the, uh, the 403B plan, the retirement. Uh, I get questions about whether uh, somebody should be a W-2 employee versus a 1099. Right, right. All kinds of exciting <laughs> that's questions. Right, that's right. Well, I like to say to people that, you know, even though we don't have phones that have buttons on them anymore with extensions, back in the day, you know, you could press extension one and get this office and two and get this. I like to tell people we're like that extra extension on your phone. Like if you're in a church that doesn't have a, a chief financial officer, uh, most churches don't, press our number and you actually get to talk to ours in person. Um, you talk to a real live person um, and he actually can help you think through questions about your budget or questions about uh, retirement or questions about uh, you know, the financial side of those kind of things. So at any rate, I, I appreciate the fact that you see yourself as a resource and that people, um, I hope that word gets out and more people utilize the great resource that you are in serving the church. I, I'm honored to help in any way I can. I just got a call last week. As a matter of fact, I just thought of this. Uh, somebody had gotten a large donation. They put it into a mutual fund, but they didn't know how to record it on the books. Right. So I was able to help with that. That's a simple question, right? I don't have the answer to that question. That's why I would walk over to your office and say, Pat, what do I do? 
So that's why we have you. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. How about there's a group of, of uh, leaders in the EPC that you have a particular interest in because it's part of your background as well. Um, you also kind of help shepherd and lead um, a meeting that happens once a year in two locations for our executive pastors and administrators in churches. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's the XP Admin Network. We meet uh, twice a year, once in Denver and once here in Orlando. It's uh, designed to be a roundtable discussion for XPs, administrators, finance staff to come together, uh, exchange ideas, ask questions for one another. And we also have a guest speaker that comes in talking on different topics. So we try to touch on different topics each year. And uh, the feedback that I get is that it's a great opportunity for people who, who work in the same industry, so to speak, to be able to share ideas and ask questions and bounce ideas off one another. I'm not alone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I remember going to a pastor's gathering of the larger churches a number of years ago, and we were talking about security. And I'm like, there's not a lot of places I could go where you could ask the question, you know, are they uniform or not uniform? I mean, are they visible, non-visible? Are they, you know, th- those kind of, do you have cameras? Do you not have cameras? I mean, you know, being in a place where there are other people like you asking the same questions where best practices can be shared is so hugely helpful. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Let's look back briefly. Who did you have this last year come to that group? And then let's look ahead briefly. Who are you inviting to come this next year to that group? So last year we had Todd Bolsinger. Todd uh, is a great resource. He served as a pastor for many years, and now he's teaching leadership at uh, Fuller. And uh, he was just a great resource. He wrote the book Canoeing the Mountains. He wrote uh, Canoeing the Mountains. That's right. That's what got me uh, interested in talking to him in the first place. And uh, he he talked uh, all morning from that book uh, and shared just a, a lot of great ideas. Uh, that was a really, really beneficial time for our group. And this year we've got Kim Wells, who is at Howard University, also teaching on leadership. Uh, and he is an executive coach as well. And uh, really looking forward to hearing him speak. Um, looking forward to that time as well. I already have those on my schedule and looking forward to it. Let's wrap up our conversation, Pat, with some real practical stuff. Um, what would you want people to know who are listening to In All Things about um, the EPC's finances as we come to the close of our fiscal year? Well, uh, financially, we are, we are in good shape. Uh, unfortunately, our PMA isn't quite where we want it What to is be. PMA for those who don't know the acronyms? Per member asking. Okay. All right. uh, that's what comes from our member churches. Uh, we're about 4% below budget. So uh, we would sure like to see that, that come back to budget. Do you um, think inflation and some of the other costs are built in that people are kind of hedging and pulling back a little bit because they don't have, you know, maybe they see giving to the denomination as kind of a, uh, an extra thing as opposed to a primary thing? Yeah. Um, so the, the drop in finances coincides with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Okay. Um, so I, I think there is definitely a correlation there. I, I'm wondering if our, our churches are feeling the same kind of impact that we are, yeah. uh, and therefore it's just being passed on to us as well. And it's anecdotal on my part. I don't have any evidence to support this. But the other thing that I wonder is that we have seen a, a real surge in benevolence giving. So we've seen people being exceedingly generous to giving to our international disaster relief program, which yes. works in the Ukraine. And at the same time, we're seeing less giving coming in on the per member asking. Again, not a lot, but it's enough. Um, and so I also wonder if, if you know, heart moves people to give in that direction and perhaps operationally that causes us to suffer a little bit. Do you think there's any truth to that? That could very well be true. Uh, Giving to the International Disaster Relief Fund is definitely a worthy endeavor. 
Um, and I, I could, I could see where one church says, well, I, I don't know. Um, I need to, I feel the need to give to the international disaster relief fund. Uh, maybe I can sacrifice the, the PMA a little bit here. Yeah. I can see where that could happen. Yeah. Our deepest hope would be people would be a both and, not yeah. an either or. And that, um, I hope they know that the giving to the EPC doesn't just go to uh, help uh, take care of a Pat Quelio who takes care of everything else. Um, but, you know, 20% off the top goes right to our missionaries and, and world outreach. And the kind of things we do, whether it's in church planning or in evangelism, all of those things are funded by that investment in our larger church life together. And and you've demonstrated to us today that you know, those investments are sound. Very true. Yeah. So we are looking for a change from this per member asking approach to giving to something called percentage of income. Could you just give us a, a real quick primer on that before we close? Sure. So uh, we haven't increased PMA in 12 years. Uh, and so basically we, we have no adjustment for inflation that we've, we've made over the last 12 years. The percentage of income is we're, what we're asking for is 1% of the unrestricted tithes and offerings. Uh, that's something that will automatically uh, account for inflation going forward in the future. So the other thing is, too, is, you know, per member asking is kind of a, there, there's maybe a lack of equity there in the sense you could have a 150-member church that has a median income of, you know, $100,000 a household is actually giving the same amount that a 150-member church with a median income of $50,000 is giving. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there in terms of, you know, people really, some people are, are being asked to give more. Um, proportionally than others might be. And, you know, membership is a category that not every church views necessarily the same way. And looking at a, a kind of more fair, uh, dependable approach to this is something that a lot of other denominations have done. And, and some of our presbyteries are actually starting to do, and we need to be kind of catching up with the times here a little bit. That's, that's true. I heard uh, that there are at least three or four of our presbyteries who have already done this. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the fact that the point that you made about the membership, uh, a lot of churches now de-emphasize the, the encouragement to become a member. Yeah. Okay. So, Pat, thank you for being here. It's a delight to have you in all things, and we'll look forward to having you back maybe sometime in the fall where we can follow up on how we're doing into the next year. That sounds good. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Pat. Well, everyone, thank you again for being with us today. And if this uh, subject matter, hey, why not even just like forward the link to this podcast to the finance chair of your church. Well, start there. That that would be a productive thing and say, oh, we're going to listen to a 30-minute broadcast with the CFO of the EPC. Um, how can it go wrong with all those letters involved? So uh, that'd be a good thing. We're grateful for your time, my friends, and let me close us out as we always do with the good word that comes from God's word. The sun is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Of course, that includes our finances. It includes the stewardship of all things, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body of the church. And that is our Lord Jesus, my friends, and it's in his name that I would bring you blessings this day, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, 
online resources, and much more. Visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.